Hello and welcome to episode 9 of RangerPod, the podcast that's putting the morphing grid in bottles one episode at a time. I'm PDT, I'm not an expert in Power Rangers, but I can pass as one, and joining me is Grax. Hi there, and I have to say that's actually quite a good little introduction you did there with the bottling of the things, it's very clever. It's uh, almost like it's relevant to the episode we're talking about today. It kind of is. Because we are talking about For Whom the Bell Trolls, which according to Netflix is episode 9 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which first aired on September 15th, 1993. As ever, you know, you don't need to watch the episode, but it helps. It's on DVD, it's on Netflix, you know the drill by now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of knowing the drill, listeners will of course know that Grax usually spends the first 10 minutes of the episode summarising the plot. That's not fair. I, I usually spend about six or seven minutes just to get it all in because there's a lot to get in every single episode. No, Grax, you usually spend 20 minutes and then we edit it down to six or seven. Shh! <laughs> don't tell them that! Uh, but I just feel like it's Power Rangers. It's a show famous for not really having that much of a plot. I don't see why we should be giving that much of the show over to this. So... Something that we tried in our movie special, and I'm now going to be instituting as a regular thing, is Aww. that I'm going to make you summarise the plot of each episode in two minutes. Oh yeah? Well, well, I'm going to say, I remember that movie incident, and uh, I've thought it long and hard, and I think I got this episode down. I think I could summarise this episode in two minutes. Remember these words, folks. He thinks he's got it down. He's fairly confident. <laughs> <laughs> so... Without further ado, in three, two, one, activate. It's Hobby Week at Angel Grove High, and we start with Trini and her particularly creepy dolls. She talks about one creepy doll in particular, Mr. Tickle Sneezer, who collects things in his magic bottle. Then there are some other hobbies to talk about, but it doesn't really matter because, frankly, it's bedtime. It's bedtime with Trini. So, Trini sets her terrifying troll doll beside her bed, falls asleep, then Squat teleports into Trini's room to do some nefarious things. Which actually turns out to be shooting green lasers to bring the Mr. Snickle Tweezer doll to life. So, Rita and the minions, they meet the Dungeons and Dragons monster reject and tell him to capture the rangers. Uh, the, the monster falls to Earth and starts collecting various different junks like motorbikes and trains and Eiffel Towers. So then, the next morning, Trini gets Billy into a car and they both go on a search in the car to find the doll, Mr. Fickleweezer, who in turn finds Billy and Trini and captures the both of them in their car, bottling them up in their magic bottle. Back at the Juice and Gym bar, Jason One and Zach... minute Zach down, you're doing well. Back at the Juice and Gym bar, Jason and Zach, they're sparring and punching wood. But then Zoldan says, cut that out, because Billy and Trini, they have been captured. Oh, yeah, and this monster is capturing all sorts of random things. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's some putties and Goldar and Babu and Squirt. They're, they're on the mix as well. So, uh, yeah, better get to it. It's morphing time at 10 minutes and 30 seconds into the episode. And so the Red Ranger, the Black Ranger, the Pink Ranger arrive at the train station yard thingy. And they start fighting all the putties and Goldar. Meanwhile, it turns out that Mr. Pickle Teaser is a huge coward and they try to run away, but he trips and throws a bottle containing Billy and Trini, which lands on some train tracks with an oncoming train. The heroes are concerned for the bottle. Mr. Winkle Pleaser is worried about his goodies. But the Pink Ranger saves them and sets them free and they both morph. So the Blue Rangers and Red 
uh, yellow rangers in the fight. Rachel appears in a multi-story car park nearby and four, makes the troll grow. Three, Time to bring out the mega swords, etc., etc., etc. Oh no! Oh. oh no! 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 Let me try and finish it off at least. Uh, let's, <laughs> see how, let, let, let's see how far I, I overrun. Uh, Megazords, yeah, they come out, they fought, fought together, etc., etc. But the giant Mr. Tickle Sneezer bottles up the Megazord. But not to worry, because the Rangers, they summon the Power Sword. And this gets them out of the bottle. It's not exactly how clear how that works, but it works. Okay, the day is one, and the Rangers tell Mr. Tickle Sneezer to return everything back to their place instead of destroying the monster, which is actually quite unusual. And then it turns out to be all dream. That's right, it was a dream. It was all Trini's dream, and she was having a dream, and she looks to find her doll, and OH MY GOODNESS, THE DOLL'S NOT THERE! Maybe the whole thing was real! Oh, oh no, wait, no, it was, it's on the door, it's on the floor, it's still a dream. And so the episode ends with Bulk and Skull showing their hobby for parasitic things, like a flea circus, and the teacher gets all itchy, and everyone loves their teacher. The end. Okay, well, you were 47 seconds over your Oh, time. no! I mean, I'm allowing it because this is the first time we've done this for an episode. In future weeks, I will not be as lenient. Oh, oh no. You know, if we stop at the beginning of the Megazord battle, we stop at the beginning of the Megazord battle. Even if the best bit happens at the end of the... Oh, okay. I'll keep that in mind. Yep. I'll give you a C+. Not bad I... for my second attempt. I feel like you really tried. You know, you put in the, the whole Tickle Sneezer variations. That was a nice touch. Uh, I mean... A bit, you know, showing off. Oh, look at me. I'm Grax with my jokes. But poor timekeeping skills. <laughs> so, for whom the bell trolls? I mean, this is a bizarre episode of Power Rangers. It's certainly one of the more unusual episodes. And there's one particular thing which I'm not happy about, but I'll save that until the very end. Well, is that it was all a dream? Yeah, it was, it was all a yeah. dream. That's something that annoyed the hell out of me. I feel like maybe we should address it now because my worry is that the fact it's all a dream automatically negates any of our criticisms of the episode. Oh, no, no. I'm saying that despite it all being a dream, it's still worthy of some criticism because it wasn't a very well written story. Well, but it's Trini's dream, you know, dreams aren't well written. I don't know. I've had some pretty amazing dreams in my day, which would make incredible movies. An X-rated movie. Yes. But, I mean, we can say, oh, there's a little boy crouching behind the Megazord during the fight. But that's not poor editing skills. That's Trini dreaming that there was a small boy crouching behind the Megazord. I suppose. But if we're going to do that, that is pretty imaginative because... Usually, we don't see Rita Repulsa on the planet Earth. She's usually hanging out on the moon moon base. And yet, this time around, she's hanging around at some random car park. I mean, that's imaginative. I don't know. We seem to see Rita Repulsa on Earth a lot more than I remembered. As a kid, I always thought she was pretty much confined to the moon palace. But that's not the case. No, not at all. And the thing is, it's interesting because they don't destroy the monster at the end of the episode. No, well, I mean, they don't destroy it in the Zoo Ranger, but that's a whole different kettle of fish that we'll get oh, yeah. to. I appreciated that little bit of variety because it's trying to break away from the potentially tired formula of form up, Megazords, cut it, and kill the monster at the end. It was They were trying something different, which is good. Ultimately, Mr. Twinkie Sneezer wasn't a bad guy, ultimately. So it was a nice dream that Trini had. It was, but you don't like the fact they did that. 
No, because it's just a huge cop-out of script writing. Whenever it, someone says it's all a dream, it, it, it's a clear sign that they just didn't know how to end it. Or maybe they just felt like th- that this was too big of a challenge to try and make sense. Well, you're kind of right. Because I've learned stuff from convention panels and things that I've watched on YouTube. Oh. There are hours and hours of convention panels on YouTube, and most of them are awful. But one of the things I have learned is that this episode, the writers originally didn't make it a dream. Really? Yep. As written, the episodes just, you know, presumably had him going off, and then I guess it would have cut to the Balkan skull with the fleas scene. But the producers... They weren't happy with the idea that the end of the story basically implies that Mr. Ticklesneezer was still around, still existed, was just kind of wandering in the Power Rangers world. They felt like it was too far-fetched. They didn't want that kind of magical... (sighs) Wait, stop, stop. Did you just say the producers (laughs) thought that in a world full of monsters and putties and megazords, the producers thought the idea of a magical troll creature was too far-fetched? Yeah, essentially, did, yes. Did they not hear what they just said? Too <laughs> far-fetched. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's a watertight argument on their part, but I am saying that's what happened. What are they thinking? They're just making this up as they go along, you know, much like the story, but... I think there's some kind of internal logic to it, I suppose, but either way, that's the reason for it. There was interference from higher up. I don't like that. They should have kept it originally as it was. So wait, does that mean at the beginning of the original episode, Trini still falls asleep and Squat still comes in and turns Mr. Ticklesneezer into a real-life thing? I'm not actually sure. I've not read the original script, but I imagine so. I mean, obviously Trini needed to be vulnerable in some form so that Squat could steal Mr. Ticklesneezer. Mm-hmm. I feel like if there'd been a fight between, you know, the Putties and Billy and Trini or something, they would have used it. That would have been much more exciting and interesting than creeping into a bedroom, that kind of thing. (laughs) But they definitely would have used it. I've got no doubt about that. And then there's the quest of, oh, Billy, Billy, can you help me? Squat has stolen my creepy, creepy doll, which, for a start, (laughs) I don't like her collection. Let's just be frank. Her collection is creepy. Okay, yes, Trini is creepy. Why does she like these things? And why does she sleep with a creepy doll troll thing? I honestly can't tell you, Grax. I mean... She says that these dolls represent cultures from all over the world. I mean, I don't know where Mr. Ticklesneeze is meant to represent. He's probably from Norway or some Scandinavian place or something. You say that, my best guess was Norfolk. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That is an interesting question. If you got together with Trini, hypothetically speaking, and you got into a room and it's surrounded by all these dolls, wouldn't you just say, I gots to go and just leave or you just... Stay there and just um, let all those wandering eyes look at you. I might be weirded out by it, but someone who wouldn't is someone who describes it as a hot array of collectibles. Yeah, I'm talking about Billy. Oh, yeah, that that's a good segue. One quick question is, what kind of guy is willing to um, drive around with Trini looking for her missing doll? And I'll tell you what kind of guy is. It's the kind of guy who wants some action. Possibly. Obviously, a very good friend would also do that for their best friend. Because Trini is undoubtedly Billy's best friend. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like there's a little bit of budding romance. There is definitely a spark between them. A bit of a chemistry, as they say in France. I really noticed it in the scene with Balkan Skull, 
where Vulcan's girl set off the Vulcan, and they were Trini and Billy were kind of at, laughing at the door, you know. I think either she had his hand on him or he had his hand on her. There was just some kind of tactile stuff. I mean, again, I think they're probably just really close friends. Perhaps, but there are scientific studies about body language, about how to determine if a girl really likes you, and a clear, clear sign of whether a girl likes you or not is, is whether she touches you. It depends where she touches you. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. But no, I think... <laughs> but no, I think there's a definite closeness. Yeah. Well, the thing is, this is something we've noticed, uh, well, at least I noticed a few episodes back where um, Trini and Billy get a lot of screen time together, and it's good to see it become more of a, more of an obvious thing. And I wonder in the future, do they actually get... No, no. They don't get together? No. Well, then what's the point of all this setup? I don't think it is conscious setup, to be honest. I think the idea is that they're just two very close friends. I'm really starting to feel that portrayed on screen. I never really thought about the friendships as a kid. I was mainly in it for the action and things, and the friendships were just kind of a given. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree with that. But they play it really well in this. I, I really feel like there's there's a nice bond between them, whatever yeah. that bond is. It did get me thinking about the dynamics of the group. Yeah? In my head, I think Billy and Trini are, like, best friends. Trini is Kimberly's best friend. No. Hang on, let me get the, the wall chart up and going. <laughs> so let's start again. Let's start this nefarious uh, hexagon triangle thingy. Okay, so Trini is Billy's best friend. Right, okay, straight from there to there. I believe Trini and Kimberly are mutual best friends. Okay, yeah. Then Zach is Jason's best friend, and Jason is Zach's best friend. Yeah, yeah. And Kimberly just kind of puts it about a bit. <laughs> no, I... I... <laughs> well, I think she's just looking <laughs> for the one. Kimberly is friends with Jason. Yeah. I think Kimberly can take kind of take or leave Zach. Zach doesn't seem to get much interest from anybody else no. except from Jason, but that's probably all he needs. That's the thing. I feel like if it weren't for Kimberly, there would not be a group of five. You know, Mm. there would be two groups of two. Because let's face it, Jason and Zach really don't have a lot in common with Billy and Trini. Absolutely not. I don't know what they sit around and talk about when Kimberly's not there. (laughs) So, uh, Rita Repulsa, yeah. Yeah! (laughs) Uh, Remember that time? Yeah, yeah. Um, Can we not talk about work? Okay, well, okay. Um, (laughs) Uh... Ernie, yeah, so what's up with that? Yeah, I can see what you mean. We're getting to kind of the midpoint of the episode, so shall we talk about the Super Sentai episodes? You, you have to, because you have got a lot of explaining to oh, do. Oh, aye, aye, Okay, so Mr. Ticklesneezer is Don Don the Dwarf from the Clay Forest. Dwarf? Yep. It's not small. That's the first mistake there. So we open with him... Basically in front of an interview panel at Bandora's Palace. What? You know when Rita was saying in the episode that she was reading about him from the ancient scrolls or what have you? Yes, yes, I remember that. No, she wasn't. She was reading his CV. Uh-uh. Because in this opening, he's applying to be Finster's apprentice, or Pleprecorn's apprentice. Pleprecorn has basically decided he needs to take on an apprentice because Bandora's asking for monsters faster than he can make them. And so they ask him to show a sample of his work with Clay... And this is where it starts to go weird. Because he pulls open the bottle 
And you've then got these three men in, like, frog, bear, and gorilla suits walking around dancing and singing. Why? I don't know. I mean, they're utterly cutesy. That annoys Bandora because she's like, well, I want to scare kids, not whatever this is. Okay. And they generally write him off as a bit of a simpleton. So Rita screams in his face, like you see in the episode. She just rejects him. So she sends him back down to Earth, not with any job, just go away. So so now we have a, an unemployed monster patrolling around the streets in some random city. Yeah, well, he's in Tokyo. Okay. Which is important because he steals the Tokyo Tower. In oh, it's the Tokyo Tower, is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I thought it was the Eiffel Tower. You can see where I got the mistake from. Well, not really. The Eiffel Tower isn't red and white, but oh, right. <laughs> I'll forgive you. <laughs> We're then introduced to this kid who Dan and Boy, the blue and yellow zoo rangers, somehow know. His mum is angry with him because he forgot to do his homework and wanted to skip school. So she's screaming in his face in a very similar way to what Rita did. And then you see him going into the classroom and the teacher is screaming in his face in the same way it's a very very reused camera shot is it screaming at the camera yeah it's not remotely subtle so he basically leaves school and he runs into don don mr tickle sneezer and they start bonding over the fact that adults hate them and and because neither of them can get a job the kid's not really trying to get a job but yeah he'll probably never be able to get a job He's a kid in Sentai. Yeah? <laughs> Mr. Ticklesneezer then shows him how he collects stuff so he can use it as the basis for his models. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what all the things he collects are. They're so that he can copy them. Can't you just take a picture or something? He didn't have to literally capture the item. Well, he does. He starts up by taking the motorbike. Yes. Then the kid traps the plane. What a little snot. That's it, because he sees that Ticklesneezer does it, and he's like, oh, that seems fun. He captures a plane. Right. Mr. Tickle Sneezer captures the Tokyo Tower. Okay. So the boy captures a train. What? Basically, Mr. Tickle Sneezer is capturing innocuous things that... I mean, I guess the Tokyo Tower might be inhabited, but certainly the bike isn't. The Tokyo Tower probably won't have many people. The boy is just like, so do all these people. He is a little brat. He really is. Yeah, so the zoo rangers see the news report of this, and they're like, what... We've got to go and find out what's doing this. They obviously suspect Bandora. Uh, mm-hmm. They go into town. They see a flying boat that we don't... I don't think we get to see in the episode. Oh, sorry, a flying boat? The boat's being dragged into the bottle, so we kind of see it flying across town. Oh, OK. I thought it was just some random flying boat, which at this point I wouldn't be too shocked by. Yeah, so Dan and Boy are kind of chasing them, but the kid thinks that they're angry because he skipped school. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not why we're angry at you. You're kidnapping everybody and stealing everything. So there's kind of a car chase, which obviously is Trini's car and also the car that Dan and Boy use. I don't think they own it. So, yeah, obviously the boy is like, I don't want to get in trouble for skipping school. Let's trap the car, which they do. He is a criminal mastermind. This is how criminals think, I'm sure. This is how psychopaths think, certainly. Ah. Then Dan and Boy are like, look, you've trapped people in these things. And to be fair to them, once they, once that gets pointed out, they immediately let all the people go. You know, they're like... <laughs> the train and stuff, they're all released. Cause, well, because these aren't bad guys. What? what? That was a question I was going to ask before we were talking about all this. Trini and Billy, they must not have had a lot of air in that bottle. How, how could they have survived? But then just imagine 
a trainload of people. How much oxygen was in that little bottle? Well, they were all very small, so, you know, they would have been able to work off the air that existed in the train for quite a while. I suppose so, but still... Oh, okay. But anyway, so they relent pretty quickly, and are like, yep, sure, sorry about that. And then Dan and Boy are like, okay, now let us go. And the kid's are like, no, you'll be angry. And Dan, the Blue Ranger, is like, well, yeah, I'm going to put you over my knee. <laughs> Which obviously does not go down well. And Boy's like, yeah, you've got to be a bit gentler with kids. <laughs> Bandora decides to take advantage of this, and all of them go down as in the episode. Squat and Babu aren't useless like they are in the episode, though they're trying to get the bottle. Well, they sort of try and get the bottle in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's just not as obvious. Well, it's very cut down, because obviously mostly they're trying to get a bottle off a boy. Of course, a Japanese boy. Okay, so the fight ends, and Boy and Mr. Ticklesneezer hide, and Bandora finds them, and she's like, look, the only way to end this is to destroy the adults. They hate you, especially your mum and your teacher. Ooh. And so she makes him grow, and the boy is convinced by this, and he starts trying to crush everyone. Stop, 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 wait, wait. Did you just say Rita Repulsa just makes the human boy grow? I certainly did. Did you not see the picture I posted on the Ranger Pod Twitter account of the boy wielding the power sword in battle? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Wait, hang on. I thought that was just you goofing around with Photoshop. Nope, screen grab from the episode. No, I don't believe you. That's not a real thing. (laughs) It can't be a real thing. It's so dumb. Genuinely. Because the boy's doing the kind of hacker stomp and then Daijujin comes along with the rangers uh-huh. and they're like, well, we can't kill a child. Why so... not? <laughs> oh, God, of course. <laughs> anyway, they trap the Megazord, as you see, and they call on the power sword. Yep. And rather than just knocking them off and them getting the power sword back, the small child, as I say, picks up the power sword tries to attack the Megazord. You know, you've actually got the the small child in there taking on the Megazord in this fight. This is a fever dream. This is an absolute fever dream. In the American episode, it literally is. Why didn't they just throw in that Japanese kid anyway? Well, they did. Did you not spot him in the episode? In the American one? There is one shot where he's crouching behind the Megazord. I didn't notice. I'm going to have to go back and look at it. Oh, it's really obvious when you know it's there. I should have seen that. I mean, I spotted that time when Billy took a shot for some random kid. So, yeah, Boy says to the kid, you've been really naughty. And then his mum shouts up, yeah, punish him, punish him. And then Boy just rounds on the mum. And it's like, no, you're the bad guy in all this. You've got to take into account children's feelings when you're telling them off. Okay. And so her and the kid are like, yeah, you're right, you're right, etc., etc. And, yeah, they make friends again. And Don Don just leaves, you know, that he goes off back to the Fey Forest. And the the Rangers wave him goodbye. He gives the little kid a clay model of the Megazord. The end. See, that's actually quite a nice ending. The episode, in the way it was edited, did bring up some flaws. The one thing I didn't really get is how his bottles work, because the American episode suggested that he only had one bottle. Yeah, I know what you mean, because like, I could have sworn that when Billy and Trini were set free, the, the bottle was destroyed. And then Rita's like, go on, you gotta go get the rages. And then the troll's like, oh, I don't know, I've lost my bottle. I'll make you grow. And so he grows, and then he has another bottle. Where did that come from? I, I thought that was a continuity error there somewhere. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, because obviously when he starts trying to let them go, he's got loads of bottles that have got stuff in. Oh, yeah. Maybe he only had one remaining bottle because the rest of his bottles contained something. 
But no, no, that still doesn't explain why he had that spare bottle to capture them. I don't know. I guess maybe he only had one bottle that captured stuff, and then it transfers it into other bottles. No, because if that bottle was broken, then all the other things would have been said prematurely. Hmm. Damn it, writers, you failed. Ah, ah, wait, hang on, I can fix this, because it's a dream. Dreams don't have to make sense, so of course we can have these plot holes. Well, that's exactly it, isn't it? That's exactly the kind of thing that would happen in a dream. Stuff that's consistent one moment is then different the next, and nobody comments on it, Mm. because that's how dreams work. Absolutely. Uh, I've got a few more things I wanted to mention. Me too. I I, kind of wanted to touch on Bulk and Skull a little bit. Okay, go for it. I thought Bulk and Skull were pretty entertaining in this episode. They were having a bit of fun as actors. They were enjoying mocking all the individual rangers as hobbies, which which were frankly health and safety disasters waiting to happen. Well, I wanted to bring up the Hobby Week, actually, because I feel like it's a massive missed opportunity. Because we only see a new hobby for Trini. Actually, no, we got Zack surfing, didn't we? Which, which is different. It's different, yeah, but it's... <laughs> yeah. It's not radically a million miles away from what he normally does. No. And obviously, yeah, Jason was fighting, Kimberly was gymnastics, and Billy's hobby is general science. General science creating a volcano which created Ivan Ooze. Yeah, or the mood slime from Ghostbusters 2. Well, the thing I found a bit interesting was I'm pretty sure that Kimberly wasn't doing her own stunts. Really? It just kind of felt a bit too convenient while she was talking and then it turns around and then the camera changed further back. You don't quite see her face. I wouldn't be too surprised if they found a gymnastic stunt double to come in. I don't know, because Amy Jo Johnson was a gymnast. I don't know. I think if we ever find Amy, we should ask her that question. I'm sure we'll have many questions for Amy Jo Johnson. <laughs> and Let's face it, she'll probably have a few for us. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you contacting me? How do I get you to stop? (laughs) Um, I think you're right. It was a missed opportunity to find out hobbies, different hobbies, not just from them, but for all the other students. We don't care about the other students, Grax. They don't have names. This is true. The only other people we do care about is Bulk and Skull with their flea circus. Oh, Bulk and Skull. Farkas and Eugene, is that really their names? Yeah, um, Farkas Bulkmeyer and Eugene Skullovich. No, you've made that up. That That's not really their full surnames. That is really their names. That's a load of trash. What <laughs> What kind of family has those ghetto-ass names? I don't know. Well, the Bulkmeyers and the Skulloviches. Please tell me they actually get to find out more about their family trees later on in the series. Any of the series, I don't mind which. It'd be great we, to find out about them. We get to see their parents. Really? But that is a long way off. Oh, one of the key things about Hobby Week is that we were introduced to Miss Appleby. Oh yes, Miss Appleby, a random teacher we will probably never see ever again. Wrong. What? Really? Yeah, uh, Miss Appleby is kind of the final sort of recurring member of the cast to be added to the show. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know she was a recurring character. She actually outstays every single one of those five rangers. No. Yeah, I guess she didn't want to move on to bigger or better things in her acting career. I mean, I think Tommy outstays her, but then Tommy outstayed everyone. <laughs> Apart from Balkan Skull, but if we ever get to Turbo in like six years' time... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, six years' time. <laughs> what I did like about her in this episode is the way she's incredibly dismissive of Kimberly's hobby. Really? Yeah, Kimberly does the handstand thing, and she's just like, Oh, that's nice, dear. 
No, no, that's not quite fair. Miss Appleby is terrified for her job. And I'll tell you why she's terrified for her job. <laughs> because all these Ranger heroes are doing really dangerous things. If Kimberly was doing the handstand and slipped by mistake, I don't know how or why, but if she slipped and landed awkwardly on the desk, snapping her neck, that's that's the teacher's ass. I suppose so. Okay, before we get to rating the episode, I did ask for comments on Twitter. Uh, follow our Twitter feed at RangerPod. You know, asked if anyone had any comments, and mm-hmm. we did have one. We had a comment from Jen Wen, ah. who says, "I watched both the Sentai and Ranger episode today." Swat. Yeah, <laughs> that teacher's pet. Mm. Yeah, both episodes were great. It was a good Trini focus episode. Both episodes had the monster work for evil, but he was good at heart. I don't know, was he good at heart, or was he just a klepto with Barney's voice? You decide. Basically. The man's got problems. He's not a good guy, really. He's He's got a problem, and he needs medical help. There's good guys, and then there's good guys with kleptomania. You know, Interesting thought. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay, so, Grax, on a scale of one to five power coins, what would you rate this episode? When you told me which episode we were going to be reviewing through that picture, that screen grab of Mr. Ticklesneez, I was getting ready to be super angry, like I was <laughs> with... Um, Nani gnome guy yeah but watching this episode it was actually okay i wasn't offended i thought there were some good ideas in here and the only thing which spoiled it was the fact that it was all a dream which at first i was angry with but now we've discussed both sides of the coin so to speak it makes sense and because of all that i am going to give this two out of five coins okay that's good i mean yeah, I only really remembered the design of the monster and the fact that it all turned out to be a dream. Mm. So I was I had fairly low expectations for this one. And I've got to say, I thought it was all right. You know, I mean, it has its problems, but there's a lot of quite entertaining stuff in there. And it's quite, as you say, it's good that they do try to do something different. Mm, yeah. I think I'm actually going to give it three power coins oh. out of five. Okay, I can't. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm sticking with two, but yeah, good. So, that about wraps it up for this episode. We're happy for you to let us know at any point what you think of any of these stories. I mean, if we get enough comments and emails and things, we'll just do a special correspondence episode. But if you don't, that's fine. You can do that by sending us an email at therangerpod at gmail.com or tweeting us at rangerpod. If you don't want to, that's fine. Obviously, we would absolutely love it if you rate us on iTunes. Mm Mm-hmm. It genuinely does help with giving us good reviews, ratings, and don't forget to share it with everybody you know, uh, which we do thank you deeply for. And we're also on Facebook if you want to check us out, uh, RangerPod on Facebook. Yes, you'll be joining a very small and exclusive club at the time of recording. Which will get bigger, just like Rita's Monsters. Yes, one day we'll get a 14th member and it'll be be great. (laughs) So, join us next time when we will be celebrating the birth of a prick in the episode Happy Birthday, Zack. The Netflix synopsis says Zack worries that his friends have forgotten his birthday while Rita sends him an unwelcome present. So it sounds like we might actually see Zack get his comeuppance, although I suspect not. He better get his comeuppance, otherwise there's no justice in the world. And on that bombshell, I've been PDT. I've been Grax. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.